Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service is printed in our, in our bulletins. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 533, I Love Your Kingdom, Lord. I love your kingdom, Lord, the place of your abode. The church, our blessed Redeemer, saved with his own precious blood. Beyond my highest joy, I prize its heavenly ways, its sweet communion, solemn vows, its hymns of love and praise. I love your church, O God, your saints in every land, dear as the apple of your eye and graven on your hand. For them my tears shall fall, for them my prayers ascend, for them my cares and toils begin, till toils and cares shall end. Sure as your truth shall last, to Zion shall be given the brightest glories earth can yield, and brighter bliss of heaven. We worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Almighty God, merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful. I have disobeyed you and justly deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. I now ask you before God who searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today is from Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 to 7 a reading in which we are reminded that God is in control even at times when it wouldn't seem that that's the case. But God is in control and 
Here we see an example of that that, oh, a couple hundred years before the Babylonian captivity even began, God, through the prophet Isaiah, prophesied the return of the Israelites or the Jews to the promised land of Palestine under the direction of, of King Cyrus, who yet hadn't been born but is named in this reading. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, men may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Alleluia, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Our epistle reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. These are Paul's opening words to the Thessalonian Christians. He wishes them God's grace and peace, and, and then he also rejoices in God's love and the fact that, that they were chosen to be God's people, something we can also rejoice in. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Let's sing our next hymn and that's hymn number 474, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, 
it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey, forth to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day. Ye that are brave, now serve him against unnumbered foes. Let courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you, ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer, where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the strife will not be long. This day the noise of battle, the next the victor's song. To him that overcometh, a crown of life shall be. He with the King of glory shall reign eternally. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God we want to consider today is our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Matthew writes, Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, We know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, 
Lord, our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow citizens of the United States and also citizens by the grace of God of heaven, We've probably all heard people, fellow Christians who have talked about or complained about how hard it is to be a Christian. And maybe we ourselves have even complained about that ourselves, about how hard it is to be a Christian. And, and that does kind of make sense because in order to be a Christian, well, part of being a Christian is involving some sacrifice. But the truth of the matter is, is that we gain life when we sacrifice our lives in service to the Lord. That's when we find the real meaning to life. And now see, actually, when you get right down to it there, there is no real sacrifice because there is such blessing that we have in our Lord Jesus. Oh, and maybe we might think of the Arkansas River in Colorado here for an illustration of this. That river, it used to flow down a steep mountainside past a desert that lay parched for, for centuries. And then what would happen is year after year, it would flow down this channel that it deepened all the time as it sped on its way to the ocean and to oblivion. But then what happened one winter is that a dam was built across the dry channel, stopping the flow of water. And as a result of that, unable to, be, unable to flow its usual course, the river formed a lake. And from that lake, water was channeled off into that desert area. The former arid desert area, it now produces fields of, of waving grain. The free life of the river was lost, was sacrificed, but yet it found itself again in the golden harvest that it produced when it was called into service. Now that's the story of the river. Those who live their lives here on this earth only for themselves are kind of like the Arkansas River as it was many years ago when it really didn't do anyone any good. It just flowed and flowed out into the ocean and into oblivion. But those who live their lives to serve Christ and to serve one another, those who make sacrifices as Christians, those who make sacrifices as Christians may have to make, they're finding a real life, a full, happy life of loving service to our God and to one another. Such people are, I guess we could say, kind of like the Arkansas River today. Like that river, they are gaining by losing. And surely we want to be among those people, 
among those people who find real meaning in this life, not just for ourselves, in living for ourselves, but in living for Christ and for one another. In our reading, what Jesus is telling us is that we can find real meaning for life in our willing service to God, in our willing service to God. And that willing service to God, it consists in, in supporting the state government and in supporting the church. Our text takes place on Tuesday of Holy Week. Our gospel readings for the last several weeks have been from, from that Tuesday, the parables that Jesus told. Well, the Jewish religious leaders, as we've heard before, they were desperately looking for a way to discredit Jesus. They felt so jealous of him and his popularity. And they, in their jealousy, they questioned his authority to preach and teach and perform the miracles. They just wouldn't accept him as the promised Messiah who was sent from God. They just wouldn't accept that. Those leaders, by attacking Jesus, they were putting a good bit of pressure on Jesus, but Jesus didn't spend his time worrying and fretting about that. Instead, what he did is he still kept on proclaiming God's truths. If Jesus' enemies had just listened to what Jesus had to say. His, well, the words that Jesus was speaking, they're the words of God's grace and love. They're words that lead to eternal life. But Matthew says, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. The very words that Jesus was proclaiming that could have set those Pharisees free from sin, death, and the devil, and the power of the devil, they were fighting against those words, trying to use those words against Jesus. Using those words, trying to use those words for their own sinful purposes to try to destroy Jesus and, well, to build themselves up instead. Evidently, the Pharisees here didn't really want to face Jesus face to face again. You know, what had just happened is Jesus had told the parable of the wedding banquet and basic, in that parable, basically, he was telling them that they were going to go to hell because of their rejection of Jesus if, if they continued in that rejection of Jesus. And so what happened instead is that Jesus, instead what, what happened is they sent to Jesus their disciples and also the Herodians, and maybe that term sounds a little bit strange at first, the Herodians and the disciples of the Pharisee, that was really a strange alliance since normally they were like two separate political parties and putting them together is kind of like putting the Democrats and the Republicans together in our society today. The Pharisees, what they did is they pushed for supremacy 
of the Jewish nation, independence from Rome. Whereas the Herodians, what they were ready to do is they were ready to they were ready to follow the family of Herod. You know, you had King Herod, many Herods that were king in over the Jewish people. But they were happy to follow the Herods in collaboration with Rome and work together with them. But despite those differences, they were so united in their hatred of Jesus. They said to Jesus, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. By the use of flattery like this, what they were trying to do is get Jesus to put his guard down so that they could catch him, so that he'd be vulnerable to their attacks. If only they had listened to the words that they actually spoke here. Jesus most certainly did speak the truth as they said Jesus did, the truth that leads to eternal life. Whenever Jesus spoke the truth, he spoke freely and truthfully. He didn't worry about what anyone else, not even the Roman government, would have to say about his teaching. He was just concerned about preaching the truth. Well, after their flattery, then came their entrapping question. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? If Jesus had simply said, yes, it's right to pay taxes, then what may have happened is there may have been the Jews coming after Jesus to lynch him and, and to get rid of him because of his supposed siding with Rome under these circumstances. Because those Jews, they largely hated the Roman Empire. If, on the other hand, what Jesus would have done is said, no, it's wrong to pay taxes, then what those Pharisees would have done is they would have turned Jesus over to the Roman authorities, even though they also hated the Roman authorities. But they would have turned Jesus over to the Roman authorities and said that he was an enemy of the Roman Empire. Well, a traitor to the Roman Empire. But here Jesus shows his omniscience, that he knows all things. He said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? He knew what his enemies were trying to do. But since Jesus is the almighty God, there was no way they were going to trap Jesus. Instead, he said to them, show me the coin used for paying the tax. When they brought him a denarius, which was the coin used for tax, and they noted that on that coin was Caesar's portrait. Then Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And with those words, what Jesus was saying is not just that a person should pay his rightful taxes, he was 
also telling them that even though they didn't like being ruled by Rome, yet what was the case is that they still should submit to Rome and serve the Roman government as faithful citizens of the Roman Empire. Now we live in a time where we kind of need to hear Jesus say to us, give to Caesar what is Caesar's because, well, there are so many things that are happening in politics and in our government that, that we may, that we don't like. Things that are contrary to God's will, things that God is displeased with, well, taxes, they're always going up, and our political leaders, they don't always do what we may feel is right, what we may want them to do, but still, Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And what that means is we're supposed to be faithful United States citizens and pay our taxes and follow the laws of our land and support the efforts of our government, unless, of course, they would want us to do something that is, that is contrary to what God says in, in his word. If we don't like what they're doing, what our politicians are doing, and, well, we don't have to agree with them on everything, or we don't really have to agree with them on, on anything, I suppose. But if we don't like that, we do have the privilege and the responsibility to vote for other candidates when we would have the opportunity. But whether we're thrilled with what our government does or not, our Savior does want us to be good citizens. And maybe here we could think of David, King David, before he became king. When Saul was still king and he was out to try to kill David, under those circumstances, David didn't seek to kill Saul. Rather, he said, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Saul had become a lousy king, yet David tried to serve him. He saw him as his God-appointed king. When we aren't pleased with politicians today and well, that's going to be the case. There are different opinions and different beliefs. Well, I'm sure then that we would know how David must have felt about King Saul. But let's remember that God did inspire the Apostle Paul to write to the Roman Christians, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Part of our willing service to God therefore consists in supporting the state, the government, but Jesus did also say, give to God what is God's. And what is God's? Well, absolutely everything is God. 
All our possessions and our entire being belongs to God. Paul tells us what it means to give to God what is God when he wrote, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God, in his grace and mercy, has adopted us into his believing family when he called us to faith in his son. And when he adopted us, he really did turn our lives around. He turned our lives that were headed straight to our eternal punishment so that now he's leading and guiding us to our eternal home in heaven. Before he adopted us, though, we were God's enemies. We were slaves to sin. We were headed straight to our eternal damnation. But he freed us from that. We were slaves of sin, but now we're freed from that slavery. Now through his word, he's guiding us through this life to eternal joy and gladness. He's helping us to live our lives, not just for ourselves, but for God and for one another. But that's not easy for us to do. We can't do it on our own, of course, because our sinful nature, remember that force within us? Our sinful nature, it wants us to look out for ourselves and go after those earthly, those sinful pleasures and treasures that often are so alluring to us. Oh, it is said, it's said that Queen Elizabeth one time asked a, a wealthy merchant to go on a mission for the crown. When the rich merchant heard this, he objected and said that for him to be away from his business for such a long time would be a disaster. It would be terrible. He would lose anything, really, everything, really. But the queen said to him, you take care of my business and I'll take care of yours. Well, the merchant took care of the business, and when he returned from his mission, he found that his business, through the care and the patronage of the queen, had absolutely flourished. It was doing so well that he was a richer man then than he had ever been before when he left. And now see, this is also true of our Christian lives. And I'm not talking necessarily the, the monetary increase. But Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all these things, our earthly needs, will be added to you as well. See, like Queen Elizabeth to that merchant, Jesus says to us, you take care of my business and I'll take care of yours. I'll take care of you. May God help us to seek 
his kingdom and his righteousness as the number one priority in our lives. And let's also remember that if God isn't that number one priority, if we aren't seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness first in our lives, then there is no promise for us in God's word that God will take care of us, take care of the rest of our needs. Oh, think again, we, we will often hear people talk about how hard it is to be a Christian and, and maybe we've complained about that ourselves as well. And it makes sense because being a Christian does involve some sacrifice. But imagine now the alternative of not having Christ in your life, not being a Christian, not having a Savior in Jesus, not having the forgiveness of sins or God's grace and love, not having the certain hope that we have through Christ of heaven, and instead having a constant, a nagging fear of God, of death, and of what happens after this life. And now when you think about that, is there really any sacrifice for us living as believing children of God? And the real answer to that is no because we got God's grace and love and the forgiveness of sins and, and we have blessings from God, un, innumerable blessings from God. Christ, he made the sacrifice for us with his life and death on the cross. And now we have the wonderful privilege of living for the one who lived and died and rose from the dead for us. We have real meaning and real joy in our life for Christ, in our willing service to God in support of state and in support of the church and one another. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, 
who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, keep your household, the church, in continual godliness and set us free from all adversities that under your protection we may serve you with true devotion and holy deeds. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, we keep in our prayers all those on our prayer list dealing with different aches and pains and illnesses and trials and troubles. Oh, we especially think of Paula Burris and Stan Krosick and well, Diane Kennedy and her back issues and, and well, so many more with different trials and troubles. Lord, if it's your will, grant healing. But again, keep granting especially your grace and your mercy and your love and grant that to, to all of us. Give us your grace and mercy and love. Build us up, strengthen us in our faith so that we want to willingly serve you. And we also pray thinking of our nation. Lord God, please guide our nation. Please bless our leaders with your wisdom so that they would do what is always pleasing to you and what is best in your mind for our country. And we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Again, I thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a couple announcements to share with you. Well, Tuesday, most people are thinking of that as being one holiday, Halloween, but as Lutherans we want to also remember that that's 
Reformation Day and the day that commemorates the birth date of our Lutheran Church. Next Sunday, we will be celebrating Reformation Sunday and also the 60th anniversary of our congregation. And please do remember that. Uh, hopefully, you can join us for the worship. And in between services, there is a potluck brunch that we will be having. And if you're listening to this online and you'd like to join us and find out about the dinner, please give me a call and we'll get you lined up with that. In the congregation this week, well, Tuesday is Forrest Wine, Forrest Ripley and Tammy Wine's birthdays. Thursday, Deb Spitzley, Marianne Platty. Friday is Calvary's 60th anniversary. Saturday, please remember before you go to bed at night that it's daylight savings time ends, so you'll want to Fall back one hour, move your clocks back one hour before going to bed. Already have mentioned a couple of people about uh, if we're in our prayers, please do look at our prayer list. Please keep all of your church family in your prayers. The Lord bless and keep you always.